Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Deb. Good morning, Liz. How are you, my friend? <clears throat> I'm okay. Good. We have Meg back. We have Meg back. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Meg Good is, to be back. Meg is going to cure all the ills of the world. She yeah. is. She yeah. already has. In 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. In 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yay. Meg and the cat here. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis is back, too. Yeah. And we're all feeling <clears throat> a little bit better. We're not sick. Yes. Yeah, we're, yeah. we've had a couple weeks of... Yeah. There's been a lot of... Yes. A lot of, a lot of sickness, Ill yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of flu. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got COVID on the rise, too. We've st we're still losing 600 people a day in That's this country. That's amazing. To COVID? To COVID. Wow. I Dear know, God right? in Those heaven. are the statistics. Day. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so we've got to remember that COVID is still real. And, of course, the flu is, um, you know, because we I don't know what so those numbers time. are. I know there's numbers for that, too. We spent so much time inside, right. you know, protecting ourselves that I think our, a lot of our defenses mm -hmm. are down. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway, here we are. <laughs> here we yeah. are. We have you back. Surviving. Yes. Surviving. Yes. How have you been, Meg, the last two weeks? Pretty good, except that I was sick in bed for about six days. I could finally sit up on the sixth day. Um, so right now, I, I feel like it could be a tenor in the choir. <laughs> yeah. Or a bass. Yeah, well. Anyway. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Good. You don't look like you've been sick. Well, makeup is a wonderful miracle right. from God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she created a lovely thing. She did. <laughs> because she knows the importance of She makeup. knows vanity. And good lighting. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. why the, on the first day, there's light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't that's, get me going. That's proof that yeah. God is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> she knows the importance of good lighting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. You know what? Today, we thought we'd follow up a little bit in well, our conversation with you. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked with you a little bit about, you know, mental health in this country or mental health in general. In general. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to expand out a little bit. Last week, we talked, uh, just Deb and I talked a little bit about boundaries mm. and um, and triggers mm -hmm. and how a lot of people use those words as excuses to not do the work. Mm. So you said that you had a piece of wisdom about boundaries. Share that with us. Um, well, um, some people don't understand boundaries. I remember when I first heard about it, I thought I had to let you know what my boundaries were. <laughs> and then I thought for some reason you were going to follow that because I gave you a script. Um, and it didn't work. It never worked. Um, so I learned on my own and of my clients, um, yeah, boundaries aren't something that you announce. Boundaries are something you live safe behind. It's, it's a, um, a knowing that you have uh, certain limits that will trigger you because boundaries don't keep triggers away. No. Boundaries are, are something that, uh, first of all, you have to be aware that you've been triggered. And so that creates this boundary. Uh, for instance, um, 
I might get triggered at uh, some event <laughs> that can really piss me off. And I'll notice, and that could be just something as simple as a staff meeting. And I'll notice that in my body now, and I can actually, I sometimes I can, I've in the past, before I was retired, I would just journal. And I'd let that angry part just talk and talk and talk. So I was with that emotion, I was with that feeling, and I realized, okay, what, and I got curious, what's pissing me off here? Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's easy to go, it's you. So that's why people think they have to announce it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but it always requires a U-turn. It always requires searching internally to find out why. Yeah. And that creates a boundary inside, an internal boundary, which is the most important thing. But some people, they have to start out with, okay, I have a boundary, like my husband. I asked his permission today if I could talk about him. He goes, just, just don't use my name. <laughs> I go, okay. He seems to think he's invisible on, on the Internet, which he might be. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, he, he might say the same thing over and over, and, you know, in a, in a relationship, in a marriage. Most of the time, you're going to have the same fight a hundred different ways. Yep. <laughs> same same little dance, a hundred different same ways. Same little dance, right. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's times I have to say to him, okay, I've just been activated. Part of me's just been triggered. I need you to, uh, we need to not talk and we need to table this right now so I can calm myself down. That's a boundary. Mm. Now, I'm not announcing... And you're not avoiding it altogether. Right. You're just protecting yourself from that moment of maybe saying things you don't want to say or shouldn't say or it's not productive to well, say. Well, it's more effective if you speak for it instead of from it. Oh, gosh. So if you can, so if you can learn how to do that, first you have to be aware of what's going on here. Because it yep. is easy to just feel that anger. It feels powerful. Mm -hmm. People like to get angry. We like to hate the haters. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in doing that, we think, oh, then we're, we're somehow better than not them I I don't know right. but if you can do the u-turn first you have to notice yeah you absolutely notice, yeah I know for me just in in thinking about this a, a very a really strong personal boundary that I have is that I have to be really super careful of the things that I watch on TV mm -hmm. because I'm super aware that there are parts of me that cannot um, discern reality from fantasy mm -hmm. and so when I'm sitting there watching a movie and it's extremely violent or there's extreme sexual content in it my my hey stop it Elvis <laughs> my little parts mm -hmm. can't tell I mean I have to there have been times where I have to, had to say out loud to myself mm -hmm. this is not real mm -hmm. this is this is an actor Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and so I'm extremely aware of that personal boundary for me it's of what comes in so be, important. because of my own, uh, Your own yeah, background, my own background Your own that right. I, yeah. I, and it, so my, it, my stepson, when he was growing up, he watched a lot of, he played a lot of violent videos and it wasn't until I realized how much that was shutting me down. I might have been not been activated, but I was definitely dissociated. Mm -hmm. And so I could sit there for hours and hours while a therapist asked me, how can you do that? You were raised in violence. Well, I knew how to part, I had a part that knew how to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't good for my system. No. It can make you sick. <laughs> yeah. It can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to and have the courage to tell this eight-year-old boy at the time, he's 30, he's 35 now, um, I cannot I cannot have you play violent video games in my house. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I had to say it from a place that felt confident, courageous, very clear. Mm-hmm. I wasn't blaming him. I was just, I was owning it. Yeah. My husband didn't want me to do that. He, he goes, you know, divorced father, you know, don't say that to him. He might not want to come over again. And I understood that. Mm-hmm. But when I had, when I came from that place, oh my gosh, he so understood it. Mm-hmm. I was so, I was so amazed by that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, he'll say, oh, Maggie, you got to watch this movie. Oh, wait a minute. That's too much violence in it. He'll, he'll, you know. Oh, yeah. what a, what emotional maturity he I had know. as a child and yeah. even now to be so considerate and compassionate. of you and compassionate. That's yeah. awesome. And, you know, it does depend on where we are in life. You know, you talk about television. I remember right after our daughter was born, and she's just a few months old, and I distinctly remember her sitting in the high chair and feeding her and all that. And I was a big fan of the television show Santa Barbara. <laughs> and, you know, the soap opera, of course. <laughs> and there was a storyline when a baby girl whose name was Adriana, which is a little bit close to my daughter's name, and she was kidnapped. And she was about the same age as my daughter. And I remember sitting there, it's a soap opera for God's sake. We know that that child's going to return three years older in six months. It's going to be fine. (laughs) But I was sitting there feeding her and crying my eyes out. And I thought, my little baby does not understand why I'm sitting here crying. So I need to turn this show off. (laughs) I cannot watch this until the baby is returned safely. I am not going to watch this show. And that's a great example of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because our external children right is really similar to, to our, our internal, internal children yeah mm-hmm. exactly well i mean and i know i noticed too that when my kids were certain ages and and that would you know light up certain parts of me at certain ages oh i remember when i was that age and i'll see my daughter or my son doing something and it's like my experience at that age was much different than this kind of right. stuff and so yeah yeah just, that's what we want right yeah we want so, that yeah we do we do want that for our kids uh-huh. so some of us do and some of us want to just create little clones of ourselves and we get very frustrated and angry when they're not that's that's true and so I think that though that's another part of us that we should very much be aware of are we mm-hmm. trying to are we raising them up to be the best them that they can be mm-hmm. or are we raising them up to be the perfect reflection of ourselves oh, that that, that that really gets reflected a lot of times, I've noticed, in um, divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've had clients that thought that their son was acting like their father. Oh. <laughs> and I'd have to say, well, okay, let's, let's just separate this. First of all, that's not your father. This yeah. is your son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't tell you even now how many times, I mean, I'm 61 years old, and I cannot tell you how many times my mother will say, especially to my brother, you're just like your father. Yes. Yeah. And they got divorced <laughs> when I was 10, you know, they, and he has been dead since, you know, since 2017. And, yeah. and it's just so funny to me that she will Still, retreat. She yeah. will, you know, go yeah, back, yeah, yeah. you're just like your father. So that's her unresolved wounds that's being projected onto your brother. brother. Right. And so that child, no matter who that child is, is going to take that on somehow. Somehow that's going to go inside and it's, that child's going to walk away with a conclusion. Because that's what children do. Yeah. And it creates these beliefs. 
Right. That we, car- that we carry into adult That's life. That's right. And, and then, then we try to work out here what happened back there, and we don't know. We have to separate our past from our present, and we have to know when that happens. So knowing when that happens is, it gives you the ability to speak for your emotions, for your parts, for your feelings, instead of from. Yeah. Because yeah. when you start yeah. speaking from them, then <coughs> the only thing that person that you're speaking at, the only option they have is to defend Right. Mm-hmm. So then you got attack, defend, attack, defend. So just turning it into a U-turn is very helpful. But it, it's not that easy. Easier said than done. Much easier said than done. Yeah. And it really, really takes practice. And it takes awareness. And it really does take awareness of what you're talking about in mm-hmm. terms of what's going on in, inside of me right now. Why am I feeling this? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I when Liz walked in, I said, I... I'm an, I can feel that I'm annoyed today, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm aware of who I'm annoyed with and why. Uh-huh. And so I need to face that this morning with that person, mm-hmm. and, and I'm aware of it, and I can, but I can like physically feel it in my body. And sometimes, mm-hmm. that's so important, sometimes I'll say to these parts of me that are blended with me with mm-hmm. that activation, that's the words I use, um, I'll ask them literally, let me stay in my body. Just let me stay in my body, and we'll get to it. And that's yeah. when I get together with my journal or any way. Mm-hmm. I, I totally am an advocate for journaling. But, you know, because you could write down the conversation. That's great. Right, right. Otherwise, it just you just carry it around and you stay blended or coexist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 coexisting was a way I, I survived. You know, I, I, I had a rage part. I had a part that would love to break up bar fights. <laughs> now there's Google. You don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I didn't know. A part of me didn't know that I was a Chihuahua. I wasn't a German Shepherd, but I would rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome! What a great picture. You guys should see little Meg. You guys should see this not very tall woman. This, this very She's a Chihuahua. Not very I'd tall. See it. But if you could, after a few drinks, if you could meet the one that can break up a bar fight, you wouldn't want to mess with her. Awesome. Yeah. Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Yeah. Right? And there's in your system has a go-to. Yeah. And yeah. my comfort zone and my go-to because of my upbringing is fight. But until I was about eight, and I've done a lot of work with understanding all these different parts of me, so I can speak for them. So I had little parts that would try acquiescing first mm-hmm. and try to please daddy, who would just you know kick and yell and scream, and he didn't he didn't care. He'd go into a rage. He didn't know. He didn't care who was in front of him. Um, but that didn't work. So when I turned a teenager, I had the energy and teenagers do to uh, get as angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that wasn't a pretty picture, but yeah. So but that produced a little bit more. I would have moments of him backing off. Oh. So I had you stood up to him. Right. But that's not. That's still not a way to live, right? Of no. Course not. But I. But but it, uh, it worked. So that became an option. Yeah. Well. Well, so where are we? Thank you, Meg. I mean, yeah, I know where you're going because we we could sit here and we could talk again more so about the we can have very individual yeah, therapy yeah, sessions yeah we right can now. Each and one so of us telling our exactly story. <laughs> and and yeah. and we can have you back even again Anytime. but i think we we wanted to talk today about and i mean and everything that we're we're talking about pertains to kind of the more overall mental health crisis that we have in our country 
that we have in our jails, that we have mm-hmm. on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think b- because I've spent so much time in therapy, I've, I've often thought about this, you know, what, what pieces are missing in, in our system that maybe because of awareness, you know, I mean, the, the kind of work that yeah. Meg has done in her life and even the kind of therapy work that I did for 10 years, it's not necessarily mainstream. No, but, but, but we, are, we are at a culture that has legacy burdens. Mm-hmm. And the legacy burdens in this culture is materialism, individualism, racism, and patriarchy. Oh and gosh. those four legacy burdens are what define the American way. And, and so if you want to look at the four again, say those yeah, four I've again. never heard of Individualism, I'm going to pull myself up through with my bootstraps, right? right? That, that's a proud American mantra that you hear over yeah, and over Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, materialism. We're a capitalistic country. This is how we operate. None of this is bad, okay? But right. it's, it's a burden. It can be burdened. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's um, racism. Racism. And, and there's a long history there. Mm-hmm. We all are a... We all have a racist or bigoted place in our bodies that have been produced and uh, projected. And it doesn't have to show up like, like hate. It can show up like pity. It can show up all kinds of different ways. But to deny it is, is um, not effective. Mm-hmm. If you can look for it, that means look for the privilege. Everyone has privilege, so if you can understand that. Um, and patriarchy, yeah. you know, uh, it's a, a male-dominated culture. Mm-hmm. Whether anyone really agrees with that, it, it speaks for itself. It does again. None of this is bad, but when it takes over it and it describes a culture, then you see things like violence. Mm-hmm. Prisons are filled with violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. prisons are not compassionate. They were never meant to be. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be. And compassion doesn't have to mean that. Compassion means boundaries. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a boundary with, this is bringing this to micro, because people understand that. Macro can get too Yeah, big. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm going to have a boundary with you so I can, I, I can preserve what relationship is there so I don't destroy more. So, I, so compassion means I... Respect that. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of places we could go. But if you talk about legacy burdens, that that's the macro sadness of our culture. Mm-hmm. And not only our culture, but those four really stand out. Done a lot of training in that area. Wow. So, so when, when you think about, you know, the way our culture deals with, let's just say people on the street Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mental health issues going on there Mm -hmm. um you know because in the last couple years i've been a little bit more i'll say politically aware Mm -hmm. um just you know for my own interest not that I never was politically aware, but mm-hmm. I've become more. Mm-hmm. And I've well, it's be- become, it's more in our faces. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, it is, all, it is. Sides, but yes. But I think also, I mean, and I don't even know if political is the right word, but maybe civically aware, maybe yeah. what's going on around me in, in my world. I, I live in a community 
in Fresno where I see homeless people every day. I know some of them aren't mentally ill. Some of them are addicted, which is a whole other thing. Um, but a lot of them are mentally ill. A lot of them don't want help, you know, and, and I guess that would be like an immediate issue that I see every day, right where I live and work every single day. Um, so, you know, and, and it seems mm -hmm. like there's no answer. It seems like our... Well, it's, it, it, it isn't that easy. I know. Like you just <clears> said. <throat> yeah. And when I was a practicum student, before I was an intern, before I got licensed, I had a, a, an unhoused client for two years. He taught me so much. And he was very bright. Mm -hmm. um, he, went, he had degrees. Um, what got in his way was the emotional wound that was unresolved, and he kept trying to resolve it out there, right? He didn't do drugs, he didn't drink, he was very creative where he lived, he knew, he knew the system inside and out, um, but that just kept getting in his way, you mm -hmm. know? And he, he only paid like $5 a session, and every time he came in, I gave him all the tea bags and, and powdered soup and bouillon and, <laughs> you know, everything yeah. I could find in the kitchen where I worked. Um, but yeah so there was a there was a lot of mental mental emotional mm -hmm. problems yeah but it, what can happen to well you? and and yeah. let's talk about the difference there uh -huh. because there is a big difference between having true mental illness uh -huh. so like you're diagnosed schizophrenic or something like that mm -hmm. and you know I have emotional problems. Emotional baggage, <laughs> emotional I mean, immaturity. So, you know? Well, everyone's got wounds, different wounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I, my twin sister and I, right, twin sister, mm -hmm. different wounds. Right. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're raised in the same room, you can have different wounds, yeah, right? Right. So sometimes I wouldn't be able to live on that street without getting drunk. Mm -hmm. I, there's no way. Right. So I'd have to find a way. I mean, if you look at adaptation, that's mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. But there's different levels of adapt adaptation. And right. if that doesn't work, if, if the drunk, the drugs, whatever it is that you're trying to escape, whatever it is out there, doesn't work, then suicide. That, that's an adaptation. Yeah. If you can look at yeah. how people act as strategies yeah. instead of broken. And so how helpful is it to look at somebody with emotional wounds and say, get over it? Well, you know that answer. <laughs> well, well <laughs> someone said that to you? Well, of course, all the time. Oh. But I, I, all the time. Oh, you hear it. That's I right. hear okay. it a lot. I hear it. Get over <coughs> it. But I, and not just towards me, but, right. but it's just something that, you know, people will just say, especially people who are so sick of hearing about the unhoused or whatever. Well, people say it to will, themselves. To, yeah, get right. over it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, My which, sister, I was just talking to her the other day. She goes, I, I, I tend to, to examine my belly button too often. <laughs> I what? I, I tend to examine my belly button too often. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and so I said, um, that's okay. You can do that. Yeah, so there, you know, I just reflect. I learned how to reflect. I'm reflecting to myself, I reflect to others. So, so it sounds like there's a part of you, her and I talk parts all the time, right, that right. doesn't, doesn't want to look any further. Right. She goes, yeah, I'm tired. And then that got into, you know, other things that right. we could talk about. I kind of see that there's a generational, there's a kind of a generational divide. You know, there's, there's a lot of older people who their mantra is get over it because yeah. they have had to get over so Individualism, much. Individualism, you know, yeah, pull myself up. By right. the, yeah, that individualism is. Right. And so they, they have not learned how to be compassionate. Right. 
And uh, so, you know, it's very, it can be very difficult to, to enter into dialogue when you, have, when you have conflict with people whose mentality always has worked for them, uh, the get over well, it kind right. of mentality. So their, their strategy has worked. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could go into, let's, just, let's talk about, you know, um, backgrounds of children or, or adults who could go from one generation to the next without the same kind of abuse, mm -hmm. sexual abuse, mm -hmm. let's say that. Well, they've learned to be able to put blinders mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. and for good reason, right? Mm -hmm. That's because how our body and brains we, are designed. We have to survive, right? We have to survive. So what happens, we have those blinders up, we don't see that happening to our children. And that's how it keeps going on and on. So, so there's no answer? I know. I, I, is there, do you, would you have, sorry, my, my phone is going off here. Um, how, uh, how do I ask this question? I know that working in a therapy environment, you'll have people come in and you can see the issue like that. And how do you get someone else to see how it? How do you get someone to see it for themselves without, without being combative or you know, argumentative. I mean, I'm, you, you know, I mean. I do. You guys, you ask such good questions, you guys. It's amazing. <laughs> I think that what happens is, is um, we have to learn how to be with big feelings with our children. So we don't want our children to be alone with big feelings. That's what causes a lot of adaptation uh, go haywire. So we want to we want to make sure that we can do that for ourselves. So just simply somebody coming in and just I'm just with them. Mm -hmm. Now I teach this to my friends. Mm -hmm. I know you. I know I, you. I, I, and anytime you guys want to learn it, you let me know. <laughs> but um, th this is just a different way to live in your body, so that you don't have to keep reproducing it out there. That goes a long way because mm -hmm. if I can change the energy here, yeah. I can start to change it here. Absolutely. Okay, so it goes out into the universe. It doesn't go void. So if I can create a system inside of me that has some sort of calmness, some sort of clarity, courage. I use those C words because you can understand, you can remember them. Mm -hmm. You can't do all the eight characteristics that I mentioned last time. But just, uh, uh, what's that called? Um, oh, just enough. A critical mass. Mm -hmm. Just a critical mass of curiosity. Genuine curiosity. You can't do 100%. How about 10%? Right. So, so those are the tools so you can start learning. So you don't have, I'm going to say it like this, you don't always have to go to therapy to learn this. Right. That's why I love I love this model so much because it is designed that you do it yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things out there you can do together, yourself. But understanding yourself is a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think a lot of, even that, a lot of people know, they're aware that they they're in need to do that, but but it's scary because of maybe maybe there's this stigma of you know getting in touch with your emotions or getting help if so you, you slow or, it down. Yeah, you slow it down, and I say that quite often. Slow is quicker. Mm -hmm. And let's just slow it down, and let's just be with how that feels. Your your you know physical. I know there's all kinds of things that you can slow things down with medication can slow things down mm -hmm. are you just that's and you just get to learn how to be with it 
Yeah. Just be with it. When I when I was going through the dread during the pandemic and I could feel it, I could po- point to it, I could describe it, I, I had to learn how to just be with it. Now, I was never taught that as a kid. Where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it came from the self-energy <coughs> that all of us possess, every yeah. single one of us. But I had to get curious with it. Yeah. That's the first place I go. And so you can learn that. Yeah. 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 So I... I'm I'm curious about the we have a we have a global crisis mm-hmm. of um, uh, of you know mental disorders we have a global crisis of our inability to accept other people right where they are it just feels like it's a very a big 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 problem and so for whatever reason do you see that we've gotten it, do we just know more about it because of social media or have things gotten worse? So we have so many, we're so divided and there's people um, in this side camp and people in this camp who believe that their camp is right. Mm-hmm. And then we have people over here on this side that believe that their camp is right. Mm-hmm. And so um, is this a bigger problem than has been in the past, A? And B, how do we come back to a place where we can accept that other people are doing what's right for them? Uh-huh. You and just answered your own question right there. <laughs> you just did. Yeah. Um, so you start here. Yeah. You, you go out there to that macro problem, you're just going to go back into mm-hmm. despair, helplessness, hopelessness, right. powerlessness, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you find out what part of me is afraid of that. Okay. What part of me is so afraid of that that I can't see anything else? Like I have a friend that watches the news constantly. She's starting to understand through this work that she does that. A part of her does that because it thinks it's safe. If I know what's going on out there, yeah. then I know what I, I, I protect stay. myself. I get that. I totally get that. But that's that's there's so much more to that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. let's go a little further. Yeah. Okay, a little more curious. Okay, who is that part? Who is it protecting? You know, but that's where you start. But if you stay out here and you listen, I mean the news, social media, it's all geared to sell. Right, right, right. And and, and fear is a great way to sell something. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I hang out with uh, a lot of people who, it, it depends who you hang out with, mm-hmm. that don't totally buy into how I, I think or feel, but they do see calmness and peace as a value, love as a value. Mm-hmm. And that's where I surround, I try to surround. And, and the more you do that work, the more that you make more space inside, you see it. Mm-hmm. You start to attract mm-hmm. to people like you. Mm-hmm. And that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I. I uh, the, this IFS community is huge. It's global. But if you don't know anything about it, you don't even know to look there. Right. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. Like yeah. how, like what you guys are doing right here mm-hmm. is so important. You know, making this information available. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a question. Um. <laughs> and don't minimize that because it is. It's so so important. Some people think, oh, it's just one podcast. I've heard I've heard other podcasters say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's a good one. Well, I, I I mean I think yeah. There's there's a lot of podcasts you can choose to listen to, and I've mm-hmm. listened to many, and Liz has listened to even more. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I've ever listened to, w- there's always their take on on an issue or mm-hmm. you know a subject, whatever. And and it's kind of like. I might listen to a podcast that say you did, mm-hmm. and 
and it's someone else is doing kind of the same thing, but something about the way you say it uh-huh. affects me, uh-huh. and the other person not so much, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Someone mm-hmm. else may listen to theirs, and they may get it. It's kind of like, you know, when the, here at our school. But you know it when it happens, right? Yeah, you know it when it happens. Right. And, and so we've got parents at our school sometimes that get upset if their kid, say their teacher that they've had for a year is sick, and they're going to get a sub. And, you know, the parent doesn't like that. Well, we approach it with, hey, it's a half hour. Maybe this new teacher is going to give your child a little nugget of information that they didn't get from the other teacher. Mm-hmm. Think of it. Be open to, to so hearing it. You want to give them a different perspective. A different perspective right. for 30 minutes. And okay. that'll help your kid, not, right. not hurt them. Right. And so the only thing I would add is um, everyone just wants to get heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you can validate that feeling that that's coming you know, from that person, yeah. if you can do that, I yeah. hear that you're really upset, and I'm so sorry, and I understand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But how about this? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Perspective. Exactly. Right. Okay. My question uh-huh. is, um, <clears throat> I am around people that that really are anti-medication. Oh, medication. Uh-huh. So so and, I think. I do think there's legitimacy to this idea that kids are, are, are diagnosed with ADD constantly, endlessly, and they're just given a medicine and just, you know, mm-hmm. how do you feel about, I mean, I know that that's a huge can of worms. <laughs> I, well, it can be so black and white. Yeah. So, and, yeah. but would you say that that's true, that kids are diagnosed with that every constantly and then... Given a, do we have a crisis of over, um, uh, of yeah. over diagnoses? And B, do we have a crisis of over medication? Or C, is there is there a balance that we're yet to find? <laughs> <laughs> I think some schools have found it. Okay, I, I've had clients who were um, part of uh, the psych- psychology staff for schools, and and yeah, so medication plus other you things know, being together. Mm-hmm. You know, kids need to be together when they heal. You know, uh, yeah, so I think some people have found it. And yes, meds and um, therapy can, that, that's, that's found to be the best way to handle diagnoses. Right. And yes, I do believe that we're overdiagnosed. I, I even think this, the schizophrenia community, I know uh, communities that uh, talk to their parents, mm-hmm. talk to their voices, mm-hmm. and befriend them. Mm-hmm. And so the, they don't have to do the medication. You know, this country is the only country that has schizophrenia as a lifelong problem. Oh, wow. really? Because it gets medicated so quickly, yeah. Oh. But we, you know, we're let's go back. This it's it's capitalism. It's a uh, big pharma. It's mm-hmm. it, but that's not all of it. But that's how we have to look at. Yeah. Okay. So medication. I mean, it, it can be a chemical imbalance. It can come from uh, emotional, mental problems. Um, and how much is that? You know. Uh, LMFTs, licensed marriage family therapists, and social workers, clinical social workers can't prescribe. Right. Psychologists can't prescribe. No. The only one who can is a psychiatrist. Right. Mm-hmm. And early on in the 60s and 70s, I even had a colleague that told me this, and he was in his 80s, and he came out of retirement and started working at our place. But he said, you know what, Meg, when I was, a, when I was 20, there was no, you didn't have to go to school to do this. Oh. You, psychi- psychiatrists didn't want to do the relationship thing because they were so busy with the medical thing. You know, they specialize in mm-hmm. mental and behavioral health, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he, they would in, in employ people that could do the relationship thing. Okay. And that's very helpful. They Interesting. Knew that. I didn't uh-huh. know that. Wow. 
But but with the, the idea of understanding medication, how all I can do is speak for myself. How I would help my clients is to get in relationship with what part wants to, what part doesn't want to. What part, and tell me more about why. Mm-hmm. What's the polarization in your system about medication? Yeah, okay. And because if you're going to force a part of you to shut up, I'm going to say it like that, because that's how meds can be prescribed. Mm. It can, you know, uh, we need to shut that voice in you. If you're going to talk about schizophrenia. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So that can cause internal turmoil. And that's how I've been taught, trained, um, just energized to look at systems. I have more respect for people's systems. We actually have everything we need to heal. We just have wounds in our way. That's it. Mm. Yes, it can cause a chemical imbalance. I, I was in a depressed state for my whole life, so I take meds, you know, and I have... And I did for years and years and years. I cannot tell you that how valuable that information was for me. Because if I didn't know my cross-section of clients in that salon, and one salon I worked was 25 chairs, another mm-hmm. one was 26 chairs, mm-hmm. we would all think, okay, I'm the only one. I'm crazy. That's what I would get from my clients, my, my therapy clients. Something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. No. If you have the right meds and the right dosage and the right uh, appro- um, you approach it in the way that helps, yeah, then it's going to work. Right. So I don't know if that answers that question, but yeah, it does. It does. I I <clears throat> I know that there there's this this I don't I don't just block in some people's minds that you know I take. I, I take a med for diabetes, I take insulin shots, but if I take an antidepressant, something's, you know, it's, right. it's something's not right. Yeah, so there's something about that attitude the, that you don't like. There's something about that that bothers me, mm-hmm. that, that there can't be something chemically wrong with your brain. And, and so people then will avoid seeking help when maybe just a little bump in their serotonin could make all the difference in getting them to a place to be able to heal. Yep. But there's this just, you know, like you say. Might like, but yeah, so there's a fear. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so fear motivates that kind of black and white thinking. Yeah. And, and, and so that kind of fear, you know, sometimes, you know, choose your battles. Do you want to do you want to die on that hill with somebody who's afraid, or you know, right. or just bless them and move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know. right, right. In, in AA tables, you hear that quite often because mm-hmm. I was in AA, AA for years, and you heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was judgment, and it was just too bad. Where in in secret, everybody was. T- you know, medicated, but nobody was talking about it. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, because the old time, the old timer who had this really strong opinion, we didn't want to piss him off. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and so I, I have noticed too that there are sometimes when people take medication to, uh, to, to balance something that's going on in their head, they end up missing, and I've even found this to be true about myself at at periods, where they end up missing that part of them, that super manic part, that super... It deadens it. It deadens it. it. And so now they feel like they're not their best self because they've actually silenced a part of them. I I follow this psychiatrist, his name is um, Frank Anderson. And he's one of the very few okay uh, psychiatrists who who teaches and uses IFS, 
and he helps, uh, he works in uh, Boston, and he helps homeless and unhoused people. Okay. Um, he works with Bessel Vanderkolk. Uh, body carries body keeps the score That's a yeah great yeah book. great yeah, book so I follow him and one of the things he talks about quite often is you were just saying how um, what were you just saying about the uh, that you miss that part right, of you right that, that. right so that's why it's important to get all your your system on board mm-hmm. and so if, if that can happen then uh, and there's all kinds of different ways to do that, you know, but pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. If you're taking it to shut up a part of you, well, let's start with a small, smaller dose. And he's an advocate. The right med, the right dose. Yeah, yeah, the right so dose. So you, you have to just keep searching for the right person who can listen to you. And there are psychiatrists here in the Valley that, that do. Yeah. Okay. So um, I can put that, I can give that, those names to you, too, if you want to. And yeah. that doesn't mean to yeah. say that because I recommended this person that you're going to have a good relationship that's up to the person that goes to the psychiatrist that absolutely you got to know that yeah. yeah I mean you can recommend the people that that you know through your years and years of experience right. that have helped people but you can't right I can't guarantee that's going to help but yeah you just don't give up right right I think I think that's true too you don't give up mm-hmm. you know and there's a I think there's a perseverance that is needed mm-hmm. if you know, if you still feel like there's stuff wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, the hope and is that there is help. Yeah, yeah, there is help. And, and I know it's hard, And um, but whoever's listening to this podcast, you're hearing something that you might not have known before right. you listened. Right. So that, that goes through the universe. That goes... Well, and that is a great way to close this out. I really do think that if we all could just be a little bit more open to hearing something that we haven't heard before Uh or taking in a perspective that we haven't entertained before, that that could go a long way to healing our interpersonal relationships, both from the neighborhood to the family to the church to the community to the state to the the country to the world. You know, we can just... If we could just open our minds to the idea that our bubble may not be the best bubble out there mm-hmm. and certainly isn't the only bubble out there. No, but it's scary to go wrong. But it takes courage. It does. And then courage does. is part of that self-essence um, mm-hmm. that we all have. Yeah. Right. right. I, I would want you to put, um, to give Liz... Uh, so she can add yeah, in. I'll give you some information. Some, yes. some, yes. There's please, a couple books I know. Send it to me mm-hmm. some books and, and, yeah. and names of mm-hmm. uh, psychiatrists. You could send them to me before we get them out, and we'll put them up on the notes. Okay. And also those four areas. Okay. Uh, you know, legacy, just, legacy burdens. Yeah, le- yeah, the legacy burdens. Epigenetics. I'm just going to put that word out there. If anyone's listening, look that up. Google it. Epigenetics, Epigenetics is part of legacy burdens. And it's just really quickly, it gets passed. These burdens can get passed through the DNA. Mm-hmm from generation to generation. And there's studies out there that talk about And well, that, that would be biblically. So when, I know in the Bible says the sins of the father uh-huh. will be uh, visited upon the second and third generations. Uh-huh. And when that is said, there's actually science to back oh, yeah. that up. Look up the studies for epigenetics. Okay, oh, all right. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say it's hopeful? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. It's yeah. hopeful. That's there's awesome. always hope. Uh-huh. I mean... Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing that can counteract shame, can counteract um, brokenness, is hope. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I've said this before, but I have a family member who was in jail, and I said, you know, those of us on the outside, we say, as long as there's life, there's hope. So as long as you're still alive, there's hope. And they said to me, that's not the way it is on the inside. <laughs> no. On the inside, no, right. it's as long as there's hope, there's uh -huh. life. And you see so many guys, so many, this was a young man, so you see so many so guys on the inside who are hopeless. Yeah. And that's a different podcast. That's a totally that's different, a different podcast. podcast. But I think that for each one of us to find a reason to have hope, that gives us reason to continue to live. Well, life. and I will say yeah. caveat, hope is a scary thing for certain systems. Okay. Okay. And that's another podcast. Wow. That is another. Okay. We're going to have to get back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so Thank much, you. You're welcome. Thank you for You're coming welcome. in at this ungodly early hour <laughs> yeah. because I have to drive 30 minutes away to go mm -hmm. to work. So, okay. um, yeah. Thank you so much for stopping by. You're welcome. And mm -hmm. we'll have to do this again. Yeah. yeah. Dad, yeah. you have a beautiful day. I will attempt that. <laughs> I have hope that it will be a beautiful day. There we go. <laughs> Don't listen to all the news. I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, that's you guys. A hard one. <laughs> all right. All right. I love you. Okay. Love you all. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.